0: Our cup runneth over today with the dynamic, legendary Jean Godfrey June, who if you know anything about beauty, or anything about the magazine industry, you know that we are truly in the presence of greatness today. And somewhere, Jean is cringing and shuddering hearing me say those words. A legend, though she most certainly is, she is also the most humble, down to earth person, as you'll hear in our conversation today, which is such a bucket list conversation for me. You have no idea. We are finally dipping our toe back into our throwback pics and Jean's memoir, Free Gift with Purchase, My Improbable Career in Magazines and Makeup is 17 years old and came out in 2006. By the way, if you get the hardcover version as I have, the back flap is Jean in a nutshell. Alongside this gorgeous photo of her is the caption, there is nothing Jean Godfrey June loathes more than having her picture taken. This one was particularly torturous as she was forced to reveal her arms. I love that. Our conversation today will clue you more into who she is and how she got into beauty, what life was like in the golden era of magazines, what a beauty closet was like at the world's biggest fashion magazines in the golden era of magazines, celebrity beauty lines, and dearly departed magazines that have gone before us like Lucky, where Jean worked for years and years. So let me tell you a little bit about one of the journalists I look up to most and cannot believe I got to speak with. She is currently a beauty editor at Goop yes the Goop of Gwyneth Paltrow's creation that turns 15 years old this year by the way she has been with Goop since 2015 and before that Jean was the former beauty editor at Lucky Magazine as we previously mentioned prior to that she worked at Elle Magazine and has also written on beauty for Vanity Fair this conversation was more than a little bit of a mountaintop moment for me but I think I kept my fangirling to a minimum enjoy the conversation Jean, welcome to the show. This has been a conversation 20 plus years in the making. I grew up reading you and I've read you for my entire adulthood as well. I'm so happy to have you here.
1: Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much. I'm 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 beyond flattered.
0: <laughs> well, you're about to be more
1: flattered because there's no way that we can
0: deny that you are a legend in the beauty space. Absolutely no way to deny that. And listeners, if you are at all in the beauty stratosphere or know anything about it, you know I'm right. So I am wondering what your beauty origin story is. What got you into beauty in the first place? And as I asked this, actually, so I told you, I just reread, Free gift <laughs> i'm thinking about how in the book you mentioned that one of your daughter india's first words was
1: origins like the cosmetic. <laughs> so, yes. so what is your beauty what is your beauty origin story well i mean i think everyone's interested in beauty at some level mm-hmm. you know all genders everybody you know just we we are visual people and so um i like everybody else um you know i think i really started noticing beauty when um I really started noticing beauty when uh, I got into junior high and I started breaking out. <laughs> yeah, I hear that. Yeah. What can I do about that? So so it was more um, you know, the sort of old school way of looking at things as, as like, I've got these flaws and I want to fix it, mm-hmm. uh, which is something that as I started actually writing about beauty, um, I I definitely wanted to take the opposite tack and sort of be like, we feel beautiful. We like our skin. We like our hair. Let's look mm-hmm. at and have fun. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, you know, I was always, you know, as I wasn't particularly interested in beauty, let's just put it that way. I was Mm -hmm. as interested as another human being, you know. Um, but when I started writing stories, um, for magazines, I, I quickly realized that that everybody reads the beauty stories yes including (laughs) myself always 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 and um and it's kind of a language between people Mm -hmm. you know you can both you know you are like oh my god what's that mascara and you know you you have a bond on a sort of deeper level and I remember Mm -hmm. when I'd be writing about say celebrities I uh when I started at Elle magazine um you know you'd be interviewing a celebrity and back in the day they were a little less savvy than they were now they right you know, right beauty lines and stuff and so you know you'd be asking them questions and you'd be getting nowhere you know they'd be kind of giving you nothing and then you'd ask like oh what was the first time you tried perfume and they bam all of a sudden they'd tell you mm-hmm. like an appropriate story that like their you know their their publicist was like dying that they were telling so um <laughs> it you know it just it's something that, you know, even people who are anti-beauty, who would never wear lipstick, you know, mm-hmm. they can't shampoo. Like everybody, it's just a very intimate part, taking care of yourself as a human being. And mm-hmm. I think that, that really drew me to it. You, you know, you always get interesting stories. You know, beauty can seem really boring. Like, you know, oh, it's, you know, it's winter, it's time to, to talk about moisturizer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go one step deeper. And it's really, you know, it's just full of personal stories and, and funny ways people perceive things I and mean, mm-hmm. Well, I think that two, two
0: points I want to make their beauty, you know, not everyone is the same size, right? So fashion it kind of it, it, definitely mm-hmm. more so in the past, it's, it's less so now, but fashion can be very exclusive, right? Beauty is not you, every, everybody can put on the same lipstick, lipstick fits everyone the same way. Yeah. And then another thing is some, you know, of course there are high-end cosmetics products that cost probably outside of my budget, but sometimes the best products are just like Maybelline great lash, right? Which you can yeah. go buy at CVS. In five minutes, and I could wear the same mascara as a celebrity would, and so it's it's very relatable, and it's just it, you're right, it kind of brings everyone together because every I mean I hope people are all using shampoo and conditioner and things like that, and so yeah, I I my I told you just a second ago that my mine was Dr Pepper lip smackers, and then it was just off to the races from there basically, but being- I have one other one I have yeah. oh yeah, yeah yeah go
1: where, like um. When I was, when I was little, my mom is incredibly practical and this is mm-hmm. probably why I'm, you know, like flouncy things and beauty and, um, you know, but she's very practical backpacker, you know, and so she always cut our hair really short because she mm-hmm. didn't want to, deal with it, you know, when we're like little kids mm-hmm. and I hated it so much. And people would, people would think I was a boy, mm. um, cause it was, and I remember I was out in the San Francisco Bay on like a, um, field trip and I guess I'd gone too far out and somebody was like little boy little boy come back in and I like there because I was like I'm not a boy do you see a boy like I don't and so then somebody had to like come out they thought I was drowning which I wasn't I had Um,
0: one of those haircuts too a bowl cut in the late 80s it was kind of traumatizing
1: I feel you yeah no I I once bit a hairdresser.
0: No. (laughs) Oh no.
1: (laughs) I just, you know, I wanted to have long hair and I'm always like, I still have it. And I'm like, I'll probably have it when I'm 90.
0: That's me too. I love my long hair. It's one of my trademarks, I think. And I'm keeping it until the wheels fall off, basically. Uh-huh. <laughs> so being a beauty editor isn't necessarily something maybe that you go to college for. I mean, of course you could go to J school or maybe not something that you grow up telling your friends that you want to be, or maybe it is, I don't know. But for you and your colleagues in the industry, I'm wondering, you know, we'll, we'll just zoom in on you, of course, but was your was your entree point into this, into this job more by accident or more purposeful? And I'm gonna kind of take a hint from the subtitle the book which is my improbable career in magazines and makeup that it it might have been by accident so how did you jump from just being someone who appreciated beauty to someone that is the expert on beauty
1: well i wanted to be a writer i don't Mm -hmm. write i could be writing about tires i could be writing about perfume i don't care i like to write and edit and you know um and i always wanted to be in magazines um the sad truth is that i went to university of colorado because mm-hmm. um if if you look back in the day if you looked in a magazine the i those cards that fall out you know the subscription cards mm-hmm. the return address is boulder colorado mm-hmm. and so I, is that's, that's how like, you got to Colorado? I that's, love that. that's that's how, like i thought they made vogue and glamour <laughs> and, and you were glamour. very surprised yeah and i was like you yeah. know my freshman year, I'll just wait, you know, I'm going to get an internship, but I'll wait, you know, a little. <laughs> <That's> so, <laughs> so funny. that was, you know, I super wanted to be in magazines. And um, I started out uh, when I moved to New York writing about architecture and interior design uh, for like uh, a trade magazine that like, you know, nobody had ever heard of. Um, and I loved it because I loved writing. But my grandmother was always like, when are you going to, you know, write for a magazine that like I can buy in the grocery store?" <laughs> And, um, you know, she really was always bugging me. And so I started just sending articles that I'd write. Um, Most journalism school things will tell you, you should write a proposal. And I just would write the story and send it. And I still give people that advice. It's so Mm -hmm. much more than writing Mm -hmm. the proposal. Um, And so I... Uh, started, you know, I, I had some articles in like New York Magazine, Condé Nast Traveler. And then I wrote a story about a makeup artist named Bobby Brown.
0: Bobby Brown. I just listened to an interview. Uh, she did it on a podcast. Like, well, actually it's Marie Claire's uh, She Pivots podcast. She literally, I was just listening to that. 10 minutes ago that's crazy love
1: her love her and she she at that point was a great makeup artist who was going to she was she had come up with these 10 lipsticks and there weren't there weren't makeup artist lines yet you know there was Mm -hmm. none of that and so I did a story about that over the weekend and sent it into vogue (laughs) and they published it and at the time Beauty articles were different than other articles in most magazines. They were just, they were kind of like lists of their advertisers and they didn't, they didn't have a lot of imagination or writing to them. Um, and so I got a lot of work from that one article and mm-hmm. I wrote for, I wrote beauty stories for just every magazine under the sun. And at the time, alpha hydroxy acids had just sort of come out as a, you know, a, mm-hmm. a thing to do at home. Um and for whatever reason I was the alpha hydroxy acid expert, (laughs) which was somewhat dull, but I was willing to do it. And I just that time of sort of I had a a a day job writing about architecture interior design for a magazine, but then I wrote all these beauty articles at night. Mm -hmm. And eventually um I I was working a lot for Elle and they really liked my work. And Mm -hmm. then a editor position came up and I got it because you know, they knew I could do it, which I always, that's another piece of advice I give people is just, you know, like if the more you can do the thing, like write the article, don't give the proposal, just be like, here, do you like it? (laughs) Yes. No, I
0: think that's brilliant. And that's bold too, because that's a lot of, that's a lot of work to put in for something that might
1: not turn out it's a lot of work once you can always, you can always, yes, that's not good. Think, good you know, you can always take what you made and, and fit it to, to another outlet. So, um, you know, it, um, is not, it's not as much work as it sounds, but it was definitely the, my way in for sure. I didn't have any connections. You know, I'd have people would be like, I'm going to go interview at, you know, Condé Nast. And I'd be like, Oh, you know, <laughs> I wish I had that connection. And I did, you know, I didn't, but I, I sort of hacked my
0: way in. <laughs> That's exactly what I did too. I had no connections and hacked my way in and I still work remotely and live in the South and have hacked cool. my way in and I'm a unicorn down here in the South writing for Marie Claire. But so, as I said, I'm, I'm an editor at Marie Claire and I'm a current day magazine editor. Unfortunately, if we're being honest, the golden era of magazines has passed and, yeah. but you were in that golden era of magazines. You were in the I was at it. the tail end of it, I will you say. You were there, though. Oh, and, but and I was there. You were there. And don't get me wrong. Magazines are still fantastic, of course. I yeah. subscribe to every single one that's still in print and read all the other ones online. But again, I it's my standing that the golden era of magazines is behind us, and I don't think anybody would disagree with me. But again, so even if you were at the tail end of that, you were still there for that. So what is life like as a beauty editor in the gold, so-called golden era of magazines?
1: I mean, it was, it was really incredible. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, it was, uh, probably like what being an influencer is like now to some degree, um, except that, um, except that was all about getting an interesting story. And so, um, you know, if you were like, if you went backstage at the shows, it wasn't a thing yet. You know, it was just a couple of people back there yeah, <laughs> that, that were reporting on it. You know, there weren't a million photographers. There were like, you know, a, a couple, um, nobody, you know, really had that feeling. And so you could, you'd go back there and, you know, I mean, I was, I just watched the supermodel doc and I was remembering oh, I all that. Yeah. Experiences I had with some of them and, and I remember once I you know I'd heard Naomi Campbell was really difficult and I had to interview her at the Chanel show like we Mm. had a cover story they were like you have to get this interview and the Chanel show was the end it was the last show of the season every year and it was at eight in the morning so every model is like really over it and it's eight in the morning so they're like extra over it Mm -hmm. so I was like oh my god you know and I was I was uh, there were some other models that were like don't write about what we're saying you know they were kind of like mean and and then I find Naomi and she's like Here, yeah, let's go under this like rack of clothes and so we With like wonderful and- British <laughs> accent <laughs> yes I'm I'm butchering it um but she was so like sweet and kind and we like hid out under these you know fancy Chanel outfits
0: <laughs> that is the be- that um, is the
1: most golden
0: era of magazine story that one could ever say Jean like with Naomi Campbell under the racks at Chanel that is it right there that, that is was, it yeah it was,
1: there was there were experiences like that all the time where you'd sort of you know like you wouldn't know what you were getting into and then all of a sudden there it would be and it would be some just really iconic sort of moment <laughs> I have been dying to ask you this
0: question for, for a decade plus, take me inside a beauty closet at a magazine in the nineties or two thousands. What is it like? And first of all, maybe explain for listeners who might not know what is a beauty closet at a magazine and what's it like to walk in there? It's just, is it just sensory overload, overwhelming so much amazingness? You don't know what to do with yourself.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, uh, a beauty closet is exactly what it sounds like a closet. That's got a bunch of beauty products in it. And so mm-hmm. high-end um, like stuff that you don't have to pay for you're testing it. It's a dream.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
1: it's every, every, every beauty product that, that pretty much came out would come, you know, across when I was at L or when I was at lucky would definitely be sent to us. Um, often we'd go to an event where they introduce it and show you all the marketing and everything around it. Um, but the, in the closet, you'd have the stuff you were testing. And then there'd be the stuff that you had tested that, you know, people, like if you're, you know, someone, else in the magazine wanted like was like do you have a lipstick you know they could go in there and mm-hmm. i'd be like okay this you know look in this bin you know th- these are these we aren't about to photograph you know um so it was sort of a combination of um you know a space where you're you're editing you're looking through all the products and going which one you know it's just kind of like shopping like which one which one catches my eye which mm-hmm. one you know intrigues me um then, you know, once you've added them down, we're going to photograph these. How are we going to photograph them? We're mm-hmm. going to write about them. We need to be able to smell them and feel them and try them, you know, so there's that aspect of the beauty closet. And then there's the storage of the things that either didn't make it or, you know, were were, were already tried or something. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, it was kind of a magical spot. And I do remember I had a friend once that came, I, I think it was my daughter and her friend and then the friend's mom. Mm-hmm and they came up to visit and they wanted to see the beauty closet and I was like sure go and you know you can can kind of shop around look look and s- see what appeals to you and the poor mom got like overwhelmed like she was so excited she, <laughs> she like, did what she fainted she fainted oh my god that would be me probably I don't know if I'd faint but something I would, like that literally fainted and I was like oh my like, god oh. like she, I thankfully wasn't hurt but it was I was. Like a funny thing, so yes, it could be very overwhelming, and um, you know, it's it's something I to always remember that you know people people just we used to have in order to get rid of the extra products because the the beauty closet would fill up. Mm -hmm. We would have beauty sales, and they started out as beauty giveaways, Mm -hmm. but people get so crazy around free beauty products. That they will like step over their boss and like ruin their career. So we started like charging like you know a dollar or five dollars because it it was just um it, you know people people really lose it around beauty products.
0: Yeah, they do, they do. So <laughs> free gift with purchases. Your memoir. You detail your fantastic career from L a goop, which is where you are now so much in between, but I want to take a moment here and listeners, if you know, you know, to recognize the gym that was lucky rest in peace. Lucky. Oh, it you, was too. launched in 2000. Now this is, so I was born in 1986. So in 2000, I'm 14. So I'm kind of really coming into all of this. Now I've all, I've always been a big purveyor of magazines. I can remember in our living room, my mom had this uh, copper tin and it was always filled with magazines and I was always oh, rifling wow. through them, even probably before I could comprehend anything they said. Um, so anyway, lucky, lucky opened in, um, 2000 and closed in 2015. So in the book and free gift with purchase, you talk about the quote unquote lucky girls in the book. So what is mm-hmm. a lucky girl? Cause that is a special kind of, of person. And, and if I could work it, if I could write for Lucky, which I never, I never got to because I um, wasn't full-time writing by 2015, but if I could yeah. write for lucky, I'd love to. So
1: what well, is a lucky girl? lucky girl the idea was you know that magazines had been sort of like these very exclusive clubs and like you know you'd see a skirt or a shoe or something on a on a page um and it it usually didn't didn't tell you the price didn't tell you where to get it mm-hmm. you know, maybe it gave you the brand name you know and it's hard to believe that now because now everyone has changed but at the time um you know we we were like We wanted to make a magazine for like, not a fashion girl, like a girl who's stylish and like wants to look great and feel great. But we want to give her all the tools instead of making her feel like she's sort of out in the boonies somewhere and unable to access it. Mm -hmm. And certainly the internet was just starting. And so things were more accessible. And we talked a lot about sort of democratizing fashion and beauty, making it, making people feel like they could do it. Um, and so, you know, both the fashion and the beauty was more like, sort of like, here's how you wear this thing. Here are three ways you could wear it, you know, mm-hmm. have a red lip and a fuzzy sweater. How can you, you know, like you could make it fancy, you could make it casual, you know, like mm-hmm. that kind of, it was, there was, there was a sort of take the reader by the hand and be like, you know, we can do this. It's cool. You know, you, you, it doesn't have to be you know you you need to go to the fanciest hairdresser in the land and you know like like it just was a different and people really resisted it at the beginning um people were like it's a catalog oh my god you can't imagine beauty companies as well Mm. um i remember having janine lobel who was the head of stila at the time i'm you know she founded stila um had to like explain why lucky was cool to like a very important uh cosmetic executive (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and it's funny like we there's a cosmetic uh sort of convention that all magazines used to go to. I don't know if they still do Um, in Florida. And we, I remember the first year we went down there, I went down with my publisher to sort of explain what Lucky was. And like, literally no one would take our meeting. Like, I think we had two meetings. That's okay. inconceivable to me, considering what Lucky ended up being in the jugger- yeah. not that it ended up being. Well, then the next year, it was like we had too many meetings. Like it was, it really went fast and it was very gratifying because people were so snotty about it. And then they were just like, oh, this is what people actually want. Sorry. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So it was, that it was, it was very exhilarating place to be because it was something new. Well, to the girl, girl, me
0: growing up in Kansas at, at this time, it was much more accessible and relatable than Vogue, for example. Like Vogue was fun to look at, but I knew as a girl in Topeka, Kansas, that, that was not my life. You know, that that was, it just wasn't. Lucky made me feel like, okay, I can do this. Like this is, this this feels like me, yet also feeling luxury and prestige at the same time, if that makes sense. It was just such a special magazine and so many like, sa- like sassy and like so many magazines like that just. <laughs> died far before their time, but, um, the beauty and we could have a whole podcast series on how the beauty industry has changed since uh-huh. the so, early two mm-hmm. thousands. We, we won't yeah. even touch that question, but I would like to know, so you're, you're not in magazines anymore. As I said, you're at goop, but you're still a beauty editor. So how has yeah. the role of a beauty editor changed in the 17 years since
1: you wrote free gift with purchase? Um, well, it's become certainly there are many more beauty editors you know if you like if you think of all the people online all the people on tiktok all the people on instagram you know there's there's people who aren't you know at a specific media outlet but they're their own outlet and they're Mm -hmm. just as you know like people love them just as much um and so there's it's a much more like you know if lucky was trying to democratize style it's 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 happened yeah yeah right absolutely that and so and so you know the the role of an editor is is a little more you know you're, you're still doing the same thing which is try to come up with how to present something about beauty that people are going to relate to that's going to be an interesting story that's going to you know, make people read. Um mm-hmm. at the end of the day, that's what as an editor and a writer you want to do is you want to make people read and you want to entertain them and make them like feel like it was worth reading, you know? Mm-hmm. Um and I feel like that's that's still the job. Um for me certainly there's less um a beauty editor used to like when I was in magazines, I spent, I would say at least 50% of my time going to like new product launches. Um and that sort of thing, and because Goop is um, is we restrict the products we report on to ones that that uh, pass our clean standards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's way less, um, just, just way fewer products that I'm looking at every day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, since 2015, the clean beauty industry has exploded and I have right. way more to look at than I did that first year um. <laughs> because of Goop, honestly, and, and companies like,
0: yeah, you're, you're a trendsetter in that regard. By the way, I just read in the New York Times, happy 15th anniversary, Goop. Yeah. That's exciting. It's exciting.
1: Crazy, isn't it? Yeah,
0: it really is. Because I remember when it was founded, I was in college and it was just such a wild concept to think that Gwyneth Paltrow would be doing this and now look at what she's started. She's right. opened the doors for so many people to do the same and be and we're going to talk about that in a second how I don't know even I just wrote an article yesterday about Brad Pitt's luxury yes. in Caroline <laughs> so there's that and she, but she opened the door for everyone to be a, an entrepreneur
1: too but we'll get to that. But as you were saying yeah. I would, I, it certainly for me has evolved from being this enormously wide field to a more narrow field, which mm-hmm. is in some ways easier to, to navigate. Um, and, but it's, you know, the whole beauty industry, I feel like it's always a really innovative sort of delightful industry because, because they're in the business of delighting people, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. um, and that they're and the, the, like the innovation is always incredible to see, but I feel like in the clean beauty industry you know when i started it was like brown bottles and like people would be like this is good for you you know mm-hmm. and and now it's like it, you know you can have everything that you could have in the conventional beauty world it's just as cool and the colors are as amazing and you know there there aren't compromises to make anymore in that regard and that's mm-hmm. been really exciting
0: yeah well, I would say even still today in the magazine industry, but to a lesser extent than when you were coming up in the magazine industry, still very much so it's a cutthroat industry, it can be a really harsh world. And I think the line is a million other girls would love to take your place. So, you know, basically mm-hmm. saying sure. you better be grateful for even the things you hate doing because a million other girls would love to take your place. So how did you and how do you handle the pressure of being at the top? Because You are at the top and you have been for a long time of an immensely competitive industry like this.
1: Well, I think part of it is not taking it too seriously. Like Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, we are not curing cancer. Exactly. (laughs) the um, you know, we're basically, you know, maybe making feel people feel good about themselves. Hopefully, um, you know, so so not like taking a step back and and sort of remembering having a perspective on sort of how dire, whatever drama it is. Yeah. Um, it actually is because, you know, and certainly when I was in magazine that I don't know if this is the same, but like, I mean, the beauty people are so much nicer than the fashion people. This is true. <laughs> I can, uh, yes, yes. And not saying that fashion people aren't great, but yeah, no, you are correct. People, but it's and, a tougher world. It's really, can be really tough. Like there's just like people yelling at you, you know? Yes, yes. That, that I didn't find so much... Um, in beauty, there was definitely um, yeah, I, so as far as like staying at the top, i don't I, I don't really think about that so much. but, um, but the one thing I do feel very grateful, you know, like <laughs> a lot. um, I remember being at lucky once, and for whatever reason, I was I had to run in on the weekend and I had to make a a copy of something mm-hmm. like I am so lucky that, like I can. I have an office that I can go to and I could make a copy mm-hmm. if I needed to. Like sometimes if you take a step back and think about the the basic niceness of how good yeah. <laughs> you you have it. Mm-hmm. And I think about that certainly, you know, I watched magazines really become smaller and smaller and do less with mm-hmm. less. And you know, I, I watched that industry really change. And, um, and so certainly being at, being at, goop I'm like you know there it was I think when I started in 2015 it was like maybe 30 people Mm -hmm. and now it's close to 200 um and it was like being on a bomb you know Mm -hmm. um (laughs) in the you know the exact opposite of what it had been like for me with with this contracting magazine industry Mm -hmm. so um so I do really feel grateful about you know like I'll be writing some you know caption. And it's like, well, should I be writing a caption? It's like, yeah, I'm lucky to be writing a caption at this. point. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you just have to take a step back and go, I get paid to do this. I get yes. paid to do this work. That's, and and I think that's so interesting how you said that. Cause you're right. You were, magazines were declining, but now you're on a rocket ship that is just soaring. I mean, and I, and no end in sight, I hope, but speaking of keeping it Yes. So speaking of keeping it low maintenance and not taking yourself too seriously, when I reread free gift with purchase, one of the most shocking parts of the book to me is reading that the woman that I associate with all things, beauty, you, as you put it, loathes facials. How is this possible? And is this, is this still true?
1: Um, well, okay. In general, like if you're like, you could have a massage or a facial. I will always take the massage. I will. Okay. I will Um, agree with you on that. Um, but that said, there are some people in this world who are exceptional, you know, give an amazing facial, Mm -hmm. um, like I, you know, and, and there's nothing like that. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, so like, I, like a Joanna check facial or something like that. That's not your average run-of-the-mill facial. I recently had one with Annie DeMamiel, if you know mm. that brand, like mm. she, oh my God, it's, it's incredible. It's fine. When it's done right, it's um, done really, really right. Yeah. Christina Holy is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I just had a facial with her and from Marie Veronique. Um, and the funniest story, um, because I, I really did resist, like, I just was like, oh, facials because they're. A lot of times you get a facial and the person criticizes your skin and then just tells you the 17 products you need to be using and mm-hmm. tries to talk to you. And I feel like that is not a relaxing treatment.
0: No, I say, I always say to my esthetician, are we doing business or pleasure today? Because like extractions and stuff, like that's the business, not super fun, does not feel great, but then sometimes there's the ones for pleasure, but then what are you really doing? Are you really moving the needle at all? So I would pick a massage every time. I
1: I once went uh, to get, I was in Florida and, um, Everyone was talking about Tammy Fender's facial. Oh, I
0: love to, oh my gosh, I love Tammy Fender so yeah, much. I've interviewed her before. She's great.
1: So I went to get the facial and it was just transcendent. Like she has someone doing re- reflexology while you're getting the facial. Like it's mm-hmm. just, it's, you just, is that in Palm leave. Beach? Is that right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then I, I was late. Like I had to get home. And so, I rushed out of there after the facial, ran to, like, you know, the airport, and I'm in this TSA line, and it's just, like, chaos. Mm. There's, you know, it, babies are crying, people are screaming. I get up to the TSA man, and he's like, ma'am, can I just say that you are glowing? <laughs> That was like okay. The Tammy Fender facial works,
0: like yeah. But even when the airports (laughs) try to kill that vibe, you've still got that glove about you. Well, as we as we near the end of our time together, which I could again just talk to you forever. But when okay, I have to ask you this question because when you said earlier when you were talking to you know an unnamed celebrity about beauty, and then you started talking about perfume. I feel like mm-hmm. every celebrity now has a perfume, has a fragrance, or has a skincare mm-hmm. line, or has a cosmetics line, or, or something. Some co- which is there's nothing wrong with that, but it's yeah. just difficult to think of a successful actor or musician that doesn't have some kind of beat, like from again from Brad Pitt to of course Gwyneth Paltrow, Selena Gomez. Haley Bieber. I mean, insert name here, but when your book came out in 2006, I feel like celebrity beauty lines were barely a thing. Like I think what JLo had her perfume come out and that was a big deal. Britney Spears had a perfume, but the, the market was certainly not as oversaturated as it is now. And now it is ubiquitous. So what are your thoughts on, and of course, knowing that you work for an actress turned um, entrepreneur, but and again, there's nothing wrong with this, but It's just so oversaturated. It feels like every celebrity is a beauty entrepreneur now. And I wondered
1: if you had any thoughts on that. Well, my thoughts are that why, I mean, part of it is just an indication of how high the margins in beauty are. And, Mm -hmm. you know, if, if food were similar, all the celebrities would have a food line. Yes. Um, Yes. So, you know, it's partly that it's very, it's very easy to make. um, And, And, and it really works to have a celebrity, you know, it used to be, you know, um, that every, every big brand had a celebrity face, you know, Mm -hmm. and I think the celebrities were like, well, I'm leaving a whole bunch of money on the table. Why don't I have that? And Mm it's fair enough. Um, you know, it, it, um, you know, certainly for Goop, it was sort of a different, a different evolution, you know, Gwyneth's dad had cancer and she started researching, you know, like all the causes of cancer and all the toxins Mm -hmm. in our environment. And she started by, you know, going organic with her food and then her cleaning products. And then she found out what was in conventional beauty products, a lot of conventional beauty products. And that, you know, sort of, that's why she started the line. It wasn't like, oh, I'm Mm -hmm. a celeb and I can make this money. Like it was something she really Yeah,
0: hers was organic. You can tell, you can absolutely tell that.
1: Yeah. And, and I think, um, yeah, it depends on the celebrity of whether or how involved they are. But I mean, I still get questions that, like people will say, oh, does Gwyneth ever come into the office? And I'm like, does she come into the office? Like <laughs> she is there every day. She, this is her office. This is where she, she works. She's <laughs> CEO and she's not like, you know, a pretend CEO. She's the does CEO. Does your CEO
0: come into the office every day? So does mine. <laughs> you yeah, know?
1: Exactly. yeah, that's right. So yeah, I think, you know, it can certainly, the, the market in general, general of beauty products is oversaturated um mm-hmm. and it's because of so much money in beauty products so much you oh know? my gosh I did I interviewed Marissa
0: <laughs> Meltzer who wrote just wrote glossy which mm-hmm. I'm sure you've read I interviewed her a couple weeks ago and she in her book it said that of the I think 12 um self-made billionaire women, six of them came from the beauty industry. And I believe that completely because it's, yeah. such, it's, it's just such a lucrative market, but so obviously we love to read around here. The show is called, I'd rather be reading free gift with wow. purchase is my personal favorite beauty memoir, but do you have any other beauty memoirs that you would recommend that my listeners grab or me, if I haven't read it yet, I'm, I like Kat Marnell's um, how to murder your life too. That's a great one too
1: definitely i would have to say that's my favorite yeah it's pretty great <laughs> she, it's pretty you know, great you i worked together at lucky and i love her and you know i i think she's an incredible writer absolutely yeah. incredible she's and she's
0: a legend she's in working the space she's on a new too. one i
1: think say what
0: i think she's working on a new one Oh, is she really? Oh my gosh. If that's the case, I'm I'm
1: spreading rumors that are, that are incorrect, but. but. (laughs) Oh my
0: gosh. If that's the case then I'm going to start manifesting right now for her to get on this show, because I love her. I love her too. Well, thank you so much for being here today to close. I, I always ask, um, well, I don't always, but a lot of times I want to know from writers, when someone closes free gift with purchase and, you know, is reflecting on what they just read about your life and about the beauty industry and every, in the magazine industry, what do you hope someone that just finished reading the book
1: has to say about it? Say about it. I would hope to just make them feel, and then they could say whatever they like that, but, uh, I'd love to make them feel like they laughed that they were entertained and that they felt, um, know that they could relate um and that um you know i i i think taking things not quite as seriously as as we Mm -hmm. sometimes can in any industry but certainly in fashion and beauty we can take ourselves very seriously yeah and having being a little more relaxed about it having a laugh um i hope that that just gives them you know a warm feeling and a, a feeling like they're okay you know, I, 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 that, I think I, so there were so many beauty articles I read growing up that were like, here's how to mask what's wrong with you, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and what I want somebody to feel after they're reading something I wrote is, you know, you're beautiful. I'm beautiful. We feel good together, mm-hmm. you know?
0: <laughs> but, yes.
1: But, um, you know, and also that, that sort of, you know, breaking into an industry is possible and that something that seems incredibly glamorous can have its really glamorous moments and also be kind of silly you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you know know that
0: right like we have to check ourselves sometimes that and I don't write specifically for beauty I have in the past but that's not my vertical anymore but sometimes you really have to check yourself and say yeah I work at a really prestigious company but we're not curing cancer here you know at the end of the day we're just we're just fun and we're we're fun fun, fun
1: and people need fun. And exactly. And yeah, that's needed too. But
0: We have to check ourselves because there's a lot of egos in this business and I know you know that. But um, So if Kat's writing another book, then uh, no pressure but it has been 17 years. I think it's time oh for you to write another book, a follow-up. Um, look, Gene, you're the absolute best in the business and the book listeners is called Free Gift with Purchase, My Improbable Career in Magazines and Makeup. It has been out since 2006 so you can grab a copy anywhere. I got my a copy recently on Amazon after I packed my other one and couldn't find it because I'm in between oh right now. So I bought another copy because I, I want to give you all that business. And if you love the world of all things, beauty listeners, like I do, this is an absolute must read. Thank you so much for being here today. How much fun.
1: Oh, thank you. This was incredible. You're an amazing interviewer.
0: Thank you. And coming from you, that's high praise. Thank you so much again. I am in full support of Jean writing a second memoir after that conversation. I'm sure you are too. A lot has changed since 2006. Just saying. Jean, thank you from the bottom of my heart again for being here and for being everything I hoped you would be. Sometimes you meet your heroes and they're a bit disappointing. Absolutely not the case here today's throwback pick again is jean's 2006 book free gift with purchase my improbable career in magazines and makeup it is obviously out right now so from beauty to fashion we have another throwback pick coming up over the weekend with a legend in the fashion space stay tuned